and welcome to The Works, a podcast by GST Michigan Works, where we explore strategies to attract and retain the best talent Michigan has to offer. So, without further ado, here's your host, Jesse Bilyeu. Welcome back to the podcast. We're here with Steve Wilbert from uh, SIPI. And um, we've done a number of different things where we're, we're focusing on different organizations and community organizations and businesses from across our region. Um, you happen to be located here in Flint. Seems like most of the work that you do is here in Flint. Is that fair to say? Uh, very fair. Okay. So let's just talk about a little bit about SIPI. I mean, how'd you get started and, and what, what kinds of things are you working on? Uh, well, we officially got started uh, four years ago this month. So we're celebrating our four-year anniversary. And it really kind of came from a number of different experiences from the folks that uh, were involved in kind of the conception of it. And, you know, it really dates back to probably 2010 when uh, a few of us had learned of this amazing place in North Flint called the St. Luke New Life Center. Mm. And their mission is to help at-risk men and women become self-sustainable. And the way that they do it was kind of different. They were creating kind of job opportunities for individuals and then employing them in these small businesses that they operated Mm -hmm. and then helping them kind of build self-confidence and self-esteem and then, you know, enter into kind of the more traditional workforce. And around that same time, uh, Father Greg Boyle came into the mix and he is the founder of Homeboy Industries in Los Angeles. Mm. And their motto is nothing stops a bullet like a job. And so seeing the effectiveness of these organizations kind of helping people rebuild their lives and, you know, self-esteem by having this job, the job wasn't the end game. The job was a vehicle to help people, you know, kind of bring hope back into their lives. It was really empowering and exciting for me and some of us to see how they did that work. But we, we know that we don't have the ability to work with individuals that are trying to change their lives. I don't know what it is that is not what I am am on this earth to do. But, you know, I really, uh, we really felt impassioned about kind of what they were doing and trying to find ways to support. And we figured out that there are kind of strengths and weaknesses. And so they have a strength in helping individuals change their lives. And we have a strength in building out operations, policies, and procedures. And so by being able to do those types of things, we allow uh, the sisters and people and other visionary leaders to kind of do the hard work and we do the stuff that helps them scale. Wow, that's fantastic. Yeah, you really can't have one without the other, not for any kind of long-term success. Right. So, wow, that's really interesting. So one thing um, in the preparation for this call that we, we had a discussion and and something that has been on my mind since that discussion was something that you said about, um, you know, back to that concept of providing people hope. And I think that I'll, I'll just talk from my perspective as, um, you know, working for a Michigan Works agency, a lot of times, um, you know, it, we have excellent career coaches, we have excellent case managers that, that do do that work of working with individuals. Um, but then there's times where it's, you know, you're trying to fit things into a program um, or eligibility and, and things like that. And, you know, we like to think that we're, you know, creative and innovative and trying to do things differently and and, um, you know, make the system work for people. Um, and, uh, but then there's times where, you know, you kind of buy into the reasons why people maybe aren't ready to go to work. And, and um, so something that you said really kind of sparked that in my mind where I'm like, gosh, maybe I have gotten a, a narrower, frame, narrower frame of focus on that. Um, because when you, you mention about hope and providing people hope and, and how much a job can do that, or even just preparing for employment can do that, um, that's, that's a huge idea in the sense of how do you organize 
community and programs that support people around that. I mean, it's, that's a, it's a mindset shift and it's, it's probably the most difficult thing. And that's, you know, what I find and, you know, probably the most difficult thing for myself is, you know, hearing the stories of the, you know, frontline workers, you know, the pastor McCatherine's of the world, the sister Carol's of the world and how they are at peace when somebody isn't ready to change their life. Mm. And I can't get there. You know, I'm like, well, just do this, just do this. Come on. It's so easy, you know? And, and, you know, but if somebody's not ready to, you know, be open to that and then, you know, we assist them in removing barriers to get there, it's kind of, if I'm just here to check a box for something, Mm -hmm. it, it really, it's, it's almost deflating more than it is uplifting because I'm here because I have to be, not because I want to be. Right. And, you know, how do you change that is not anything, like there isn't a magic wand that you can point out there. People have to be ready for it. Yeah. And, um, you know, when you can figure out, uh, and, and also, you know, when more people from a community start to have success, then mm-hmm. it becomes a more visible option for you to do it too. Mm-hmm. And so it's kind of like this hurry up and wait game where we have to be building the system and the process for somebody to be ready to go through it and have that pathway to, you know, full employment, Mm -hmm. you know, living wages. But we also have to be patient Mm -hmm. and, you know, waiting for that individual to come through and then talking about now that you've made it here to this point in your journey, who else do you want to bring with you? Yeah. Yeah. I was talking to a friend of mine the other day, um, we were talking about patience and, and, um, you know, one of the things that he was saying is that, you know, patience, the thing that people don't really realize a lot of times is that it's not this peaceful place of waiting. It's messy and um, challenging and full of things that make you want to kind of say, why are we doing this? Um, You know, what's the point? And, um, but getting through those, being patient enough to get work through those things. Um, I think that, you know, one of the things, well, we met because um, GST Michigan Works and Mississippi Mm -hmm. partnered up to do um, uh, IT training. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know you had, you know, done work in that space prior to that and continue to after. So, um, let's talk a little bit about those, um, boot camps or, or mm-hmm. uh, do you call them boot camps? Uh, exploration. Exploration. Yes. Okay. So they're, well, they're the, they're the yeah, two different ones. kind of a rough name, <laughs> isn't it? Yeah. Um, and it's gone through a lot of different iterations. And so, yeah, we, we partnered together and we ran a 13-week IT program to help people kind of get in to entry-level IT positions. And um, while we were not as successful as I had hoped, uh, we learned a lot. But, but we did have a really great couple of stories where one of the uh, students was hired before He even finished the program, and he wrote this really great email to us saying how, you know, when he sat through the technical piece, he was well-prepared, and if it wasn't for going through this program, then he wouldn't have had this opportunity. And it just kind of, it's like, wow, for all the stuff that we learned and all the things that that we would have done differently, like, his story was, like, the inspiration to, like, okay, we got to keep doing this. Yeah. And then um, another big portion of the work that we do at SIPI beyond kind of the direct work with visionary leaders as we work with um, through the disability network and funding from Michigan Rehab Services, we offer IT workplace exploration for kids uh, in Genesee County High Schools. And that is really kind of the first introduction for uh, many of these students to kind of what the IT career pathways would align. And mm-hmm. kind of going back to the skill sets, many of these students that have, you know, quote, disabilities, mm-hmm. um, really uh, have strengths in different 
areas. And IT and the vast different ways that you can find a career or a pathway in that uh, lend a lot of those skills and strengths that are as a result of the perceived disability Mm -hmm. um, into, you know, a a great employee for somebody or a great leader in that space. And uh, we had a student come through and he became really inspired about it and started a company with his father. Wow. And it's, you know, is every student that we touch going to have that experience? Uh, Probably not. But if a handful of them do, mm-hmm. I mean, what does that do? And then also, you know, as we kind of talked about people coming out of, you know, where they were at and they had this, you know, fixed mindset about what their future was going to be, uh, to see somebody come out of that and have a different pathway, it inspires other students to think differently about kind of where they're going and what are the opportunities that might be available. Yeah, absolutely. I think in our work, we talk a lot about that in terms of, you know, defining success and, you know, outcomes and what, what does that look like? And, and sometimes, you know, I think we find for people that our career coaches work with, um, you know, even if, if they don't make it through and or there's not employment on the other end of it, it's a building block in the direction that, you know, they're, they're going in. And, you know, certainly, you know, if they learned anything in the process, even if it was just that you have to show up every day in order to complete, I mean, that's a life lesson that's there's value in. Well, and I think too, um, you know, we've become so focused, like you said, on what is the end result for these individuals. And, you know, I was blessed with parents that exposed me to a lot of different things. And so I was kind of able to figure out what I was passionate about by playing first. And now when you look at kind of the new studies about how do you make sustainable change for individuals, Mm -hmm. they don't all exactly say it, but there is this element of like a fun experience or exposure. And I think uh, in the book Grit, um, Duckworth, uh, says, you know, it's play comes before hard work. Mm. And so, you know, just by exposing somebody to something, um, you don't know where that's going to lead, but then to, to stack on, like you mentioned with your career coaches and having the tools and mm-hmm. pointing them to where, if you're interested in learning more about this, this is how you can do it yeah. by, you know, people understanding the way that, you know, computers and cell phones and technology works, you can really become an expert in something in a way that you didn't ever do before, but until you know about that thing that you're passionate about, yeah. it's going to be really hard for somebody to, you know, go down that road. True. If it's, if we're, you know, asking people to do something that, you know, we don't like, or it would be hard to, to be passionate about and not saying, you know, by going through this hard work, mm-hmm. you know, you're going to get somewhere. Mm-hmm. It, you know, what's the point? Right. Absolutely. Yeah. That whole mindset that if you just worked harder, you know, or we talk about, I, you know, you meet individuals that come in that um, are interested in pursuing like their GED, for example. And, you know, for not all, in every case, but in a lot of cases, um, you know, customers that I've worked with have said, you know, the traditional cath- or classroom setting just wasn't, it didn't work for them. Yeah. And, you know, just because it's located in our service center doesn't mean it's going to work any better this time around either. So, yeah, developing kind of more non-traditional ways of reaching people where they're at. But, I, I mean, the element of fun, like, who doesn't want to have fun? I mean, who doesn't want to show up and, you know, be curious about, you know, what could happen next and the possibilities? So, wow, that's really cool. So one of the things that um, we talked about was, you know, w- the work that you're doing now and, and really um, uh, social enterprise work, that that area of our discussion was really interesting to me. So, I mean, I'm I'm interested to hear more about 
um, you know, specifically work that's already taking place here and maybe like what what the vision or hopes are that you see at least for this area for the future? Um, so when I mentioned uh, Father uh, Greg Boyle and Homeboy Industries and the St. Luke New Life Center, those were kind of my first two introductions into social enterprise. And social enterprise as a term is really struggling to kind of be defined. And it's very different um, in a third world country to what it is in a city like Flint or um, similar communities. And so a couple of years ago, we partnered with uh, Michigan State's REI Center and uh, kind of crafted up a concept paper, a white paper on what is the definition for social enterprise. And, you know, we are less concerned about, is it a business? Is it a traditional LLC? Is it a B Corp? Is it an S Corp? Is it a 501c3? Like that, you know, to us, you know, we really have to get beyond that definition when we talk about social enterprise. And what we believe social enterprise is it's a product or service that solves a social good, social need. And so when you think about that, uh, and you think about this as a potential growing industry or concept, places like Flint have a real competitive advantage where we don't have advantages in many traditional economic development you know, plays. And so you think about all of these young people and from a talent attraction perspective that want to be working in places and for businesses that do good mm-hmm. and that solve problems. Mm-hmm. And then we have a really resilient community of great people that have, you know, suffered from disinvestment and economic, you know, challenges and lack of economic opportunities for a number of years. And how can we find a way to bring these two groups together and make a place like Flint the Silicon Valley for social enterprise? Wow. And try to help these cause-based businesses because from a workforce development ecosystem uh, with such large numbers of people that have not worked over the last year and are, you know, living in sometimes generational poverty, uh, to expect that someone's just going to go and be successful at a traditional, you know, factory job Mm -hmm. or a traditional company, Mm -hmm. uh, we're setting somebody up for failure and it's unrealistic. But if we can have a number of these social enterprises that are willing to take a chance on somebody that might have a criminal record or take a chance on somebody who, um, might have a disability or take a chance on somebody who's been out of the workforce for a number of years and is just kind of trying to figure out what they want to do and where they want to go, that becomes kind of phase one mm-hmm. to help rebuild that individual and help them you know, get some self-esteem and some hope so then they're ready to enter into the traditional workforce and they have found what their motivation is going to be to pursue a career in this or to take this job here and stick with it because I know I want to get there. Yeah. But until we can have, you know, more opportunities to get people into, into, you know, this place where they believe in themselves and they have hopes and dreams and aspirations beyond trying to get through today, yeah. uh, you know, we're going to continue to have challenges in places like Flint and yeah. communities like it. Wow. I think, um, you know, I think about the idea of individuals that, you know, get get started in in work like that, where they are, you know, they're they're building their own hope. They're feeling good about the work that they're doing. And, um, you know, the potential entrepreneurs that can come out of that and build different kinds of businesses with that mindset from the creation of their own business culture. And um, and maybe people who 
who traditionally haven't haven't fit into that traditional workforce setting for a reason, but they can create a different kind of work setting um, and attract you know people that are like minded to whatever their cause is too. Yeah, I mean absolutely, and uh, then you know if if we can do it and make it four years, then anybody can do it. It's <laughs> the place to start for sure. But, uh, <laughs> you know, uh, but I, I do, I do think that, you know, there are so many people with great ideas that mm-hmm. can solve these problems or a great idea for a product or a service. And, uh, I don't know how many times I'm at the bar and I'm talking to people and they, I probably should, I don't know how many times <laughs> I'm at the coffee shop and I'm talking to people <laughs> And, you know, there's this, like, general sense of, like, just, like, there's no energy, there's no enthusiasm. Mm-hmm. And it's like, and, you know, I kind of tend to be a little bit energetic and a little bit enthusiastic, and it's... A little bit. And, and, <laughs> and you know, and so I ask people, well, you know, what would you do if you could? And um, they kind of start to talk about this idea that they have, and, you know, their posture changes, their tone changes and they get really excited and then at the end of the conversation they kind of like sit back sigh and slap their hand on the table and say ah but it's never going to happen and it's like no 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 let's make that happen let's make that happen and if we can figure out a way and develop a vehicle that makes that happen for individuals because the the you know what we find when we work with a lot of kind of early stage entrepreneurs is the biggest challenge that they have is not like their idea or their dream. It's to find the time to sit down and think through all of the different steps of mm-hmm. your business model mm-hmm. and your business model canvas. And, you know, working through like, who are my competitors? What is my value chain? Yeah. And, and spending the time to do that because, you know, we're busy. Everyone's busy with right. like life and if you have a day job, mm-hmm. you're busy with your day job. And so you're doing this between the hours of, you know, nine and 12 at night. Yeah. And that makes it really hard to make something happen. Yeah. But if you had space and time and a process for how you would walk through mm-hmm. taking this from idea to implementation, um, mm-hmm. you know, we can help, you know, curb the time. And that's where our work with the Miller Center at Santa Clara University, they've been doing social enterprise for a number of years and they have kind of a replication uh, process that we're, you know, working on, you know, various entities because they've worked with so many social entrepreneurs now that they have these playbooks that, you know, they're helping companies grow six times faster right now wow, than the normal amazing. company. And so how can we, you know, look at organizations and operations like that and figure out how do they apply to a community like Flint and Gary and Akron and other legacy cities? Yeah. Wow. Fantastic. So if you were to say, you know, what the future looks like for SIPI and let's just say the next, you know, year or two years, I, I mean, what is your focus? Um, I mean, I'm sure with with such great needs and, and so many different organizations that are working to solve, you know, long-term um, challenges in the community, I'm sure it's challenging to prioritize what projects you get involved with, but... But what would you say are, are the priorities, let's say, for the next year or so? So we, we kind of have uh, four initiatives that were, you know, either existing or continuing, and we hope to expand uh, in kind of all four of those areas. But at the core of kind of what we do is uh, we empower people and organizations to do great things. And so when I think about what is going to be our goal over this next year and to think about how do we prioritize uh, what projects we're going to do, 
it really comes back to who is empowering people to do great things. And is there a gap in the existing services that are offered out there in the community that needs to be filled to empower people more directly? Or is there an organization that's doing really significant things that um, you know, is in a position where they just need a little bit of help before they can scale and help more uh, individuals? Or is there a social entrepreneur that wants to start a company in Flint or you know, solve a problem that we're you know, facing mm-hmm. here? Um, then how do we help that individual you know, empower? I see. So, you know, finding those pockets of opportunity where I noticed on your website, it says, most of all, we get things done. (laughs) And, uh, and so that, you know, to me makes a a lot of sense that, you know, where, where a lot of times people focus on where can we have the biggest impact, but, you know, quick turnaround of success by lending, you know, whatever assistance needed, it makes a lot of sense. Well, and, you know, to get to the big goal, there's, you know, not generally a straight path. And we spend so much time trying to plot and plan and figure out how we're going to accomplish this big goal that we missed the 30 steps along the way mm-hmm. that are going to be required to get there. Mm-hmm. And if we can focus on, you know, those 30 steps along the way, we think we can make a big impact towards that, those larger goals. Fantastic. Well, for anybody who's interested in um, getting in touch with Steve or Sippy, um, the contact information will be linked in our show notes. Um, But we certainly appreciate you coming in and talking to us about the great work that you're doing. And hopefully there will be time and maybe next year we can revisit and see what kind of cool things have been accomplished and maybe even some cool things between Michigan Works and Sippy again. Sounds great. Looking forward to it. Thanks so much for the opportunity. Thanks.